You're listening to Nitty Gritty Nursing with Nurse M, where she breaks down the nitty gritty basics of nursing concepts. Hello, and welcome to the Nitty Gritty Nursing podcast with Nurse M. Today, I'm going to talk about arterial blood gases and basically how do you interpret them? What are the normal values, etc.? And what I'm, the one thing about ABGs or arterial blood gases is that this is probably the one lab value that every single nurse has memorized, uh, the sequence of pH, bicarbonate and CO2 in order to be able to take care of patients that they're caring for in their clinical settings. And so if there's one lab test you should probably memorize the normal values and ranges of, it's going to be this one because undoubtedly you will probably, if you're in nursing school, have questions that ask you to figure out what sort of metabolic or respiratory acidosis alkalosis your patients are in. Or if you're at the bedside, you're still going to need to be able to figure this out. So the root of this arterial blood gas, it's just a lab test that we do to monitor a patient's acid-base balance. And it's used to determine the extent of compensation by the buffer system, which is the bicarbonates, and includes the measurement of acidity with that pH. The levels of oxygen and carbon dioxide in the arterial blood drive this. So unlike other blood samples obtained through like a vein, a blood sample of an arterial blood gas, lo and behold, it's in the name, is actually taken from an artery, most commonly the radial artery. There are technically six primary components of an ABG. You've got your pH, your partial pressure of carbon dioxide or your CO2, your partial pressure of oxygen, which is PaO2, your oxygen saturation, your bicarbonate, and your base excess. But oftentimes, the three things that we actually need in order to determine if someone is in a metabolic or a respiratory acidosis alkalosis are only three components, your bicarbonate, your CO2, and your pH. Now, the reason why you only need these three things is because, first of all, we need the pH in order to determine if the person is acidotic or alkalotic. And then CO2 and bicarbonate, the HCO3, the CO2 specifically is respiratory determinant. And the the HCO3 or the bicarbonate is metabolic determinant. And so we know if we look at these two things, we can make a determination of whether or not this is respiratory or metabolically driven. That's not to say that the other lab values are not important. Those are important for those of you that want to know what these normal lab values are. The way that I remember how to measure an ABG is the pH is critical. So you have to remember that a normal pH value is 7.35 to 7.45. Immediately below that, I just dropped the 0.35 and the 0.45 because that is your normal CO2 range, 35 to 45 millimeters of mercury. Again, that is the respiratory determinant. Your bicarbonate, if you listened to the memorizing lab values, the way that I go about remembering what a normal bicarbonate should be is bi means two, and carbonate is like carbonation. So I think of a soda 12-pack that you'd buy at the grocery store, but multiply that by two, and you get 24. So if one soda pack is 12, but it's doubled, that's 24. And that's right in the middle of the normal range for bicarb on an ABG, which is 22 to 26. Granted, if that doesn't work for you, you can just straight up memorize that bicarb is 22 to 26. That also works. A normal oxygen saturation should be between 94 and 100%. And the PaO2, which is the partial pressure of oxygen, can confuse students quite a bit. And the normal range for that is 75 to 100. 
The reason why is the partial pressure of oxygen, or PaO2, indicates the amount of oxygen available to bind with hemoglobin. And the pH plays a role in the combining power of oxygen and hemoglobin, which is why we look at it that way. But the PaO2, that normal range, is 75 to 100 versus your oxygen saturation, which should be 94 to 100%, because it is a measured percentage and is the amount of oxygen in the blood that combines with hemoglobin. So don't confuse those two. Sometimes schools will try to give you a PaO2 and say that it's 80, and we just immediately look at the O2 and think, 80, that's bad, this must be respiratory. That's not necessarily the case. So when you're looking at how to calculate an ABG, the three primary things you need to have memorized and understand how to work through is a normal pH, which is 7.35 to 7.45, a normal CO2, which is 35 to 45, and a normal bicarbonate level, which is 22 to 26. Now, we use those three lab, those three components of the ABG to interpret and detect whether respiratory acidosis or alkalosis or metabolic acidosis or alkalosis are occurring during an acute illness. The easiest way initially to try to approach these sorts of questions is to read the root of the question. And normally it will give you an indication of whether or not this is a lung problem or something else. So if you have a patient that is coming in and the scenario that they give you on a test example is a drowning victim... And they come in and they want you to make a determination as to whether or not this is a respiratory or metabolic acid-based problem. Drowning people are not breathing, so this is a lung problem. Versus someone who comes in who's had nausea, vomiting, and diarrhea for three days. This is not a lung problem. This is a metabolic problem. The design of the questions or the scenarios or even the patients that you're taking care of should inform and influence how you approach ABG interpretation. Now, with the given lab values that we have, there's three goals to ABG analysis. The very first thing that you should do when presented with a a question or problem or patient that you have an ABG return of results on is the first question you should ask is, is this person acidotic or alkalotic or are they normal, right? Determine first if they're acidotic or alkalotic. Again, the range is 7.35 to 7.45. So patients whose pH level is below 7.35 makes them acidotic. Even if it's 7.34, that's still acidotic because the normal range for a pH is 7.35 to 7.45. Now, if your patient is above 7.45, this makes them alkalotic. The second goal once you have your results, is to determine whether or not this is metabolic or respiratory driven. And we're going to do that based off of either the bicarbonate level or the CO2. And you're going to get an idea of this built into the question that you're being presented with or the patient and their history of what occurred with them that will drive this. And then the third goal ultimately is to determine whether or not their system has either fully compensated for the acid-base imbalance whether they've partially compensated for this, or whether they've, they're just completely uncompensated. So based on those values, that's what we're going to determine, whether they're acidotic or alkalotic first, whether it's metabolic or respiratorily driven. And then lastly, we need to determine if the compensation is fully compensated, partially compensated, or uncompensated. 
So let's talk about the lungs and the kidneys specifically, because we know that the CO2 of the ABG is respiratory determinant and the bicarbonate is metabolic determinant. The lungs. So during acidosis, if that pH falls below 7.35, and we think this is a lung problem, right? During acidosis, the pH will decrease. It falls. And the respiratory rate, because we know that CO2 itself is an acid. So when the body becomes more acidic, it must then get rid of the acid, any excess acid that it might have in order to not result in death. Because if we become too acidic, if someone's pH drops below 6.8, death ensues. Conversely, if we're talking alkalosis, if someone's pH goes above 7.8, death can occur because it's just too much of a far extreme for someone's system to be able to function properly. So the lungs, during acidosis, the pH decreases and the respiratory rate and depth will increase in an attempt for the body to exhale that CO2 acid. And when it does this, it then is reducing that amount and hydrogen ions become inactivated and exhaled, which will decrease the CO2 levels in the system. Conversely, during alkalosis, if someone is very alkalotic, the pH increases, goes above 7.45, and the respiratory rate from a lung, if the lungs are going to try to compensate, the respiratory rate and depth decrease, meaning that the person stops breathing or really slows down and becomes, you know, bradypneic. You know, tachypnic is rapid respiratory rate, bradypneic or bradyipnea, however you want to pronounce it, is a really slow respiratory rate because then the body holds on to the CO2 and it helps to bring up the acid level in the system. Now, the interesting thing about the lungs is that the process of correcting a deficit or excess takes, you know, 10 to 30 seconds to complete. So the lungs respond very quickly to an acidotic or an alkalotic system and can try to compensate that way very quickly. Versus the kidneys, which provide a more inclusive corrective response to acid-based disturbances than other corrective mechanisms, but that renal system, that excretion of acids and alkalis occurs much more slowly. So if the kidneys, if that bicarbonate decides to kick in to help with the compensation, it requires a few hours or several days to really make a shift to provide that difference. And during an acidotic phase, if someone is acidotic, the pH decreases and excess hydrogen ions are secreted in the tubules and combine with buffers for the excretion in the urine. Okay, versus in an alkalotic stage, right, the pH increases and as a result, excess bicarbonate ions move into the tubules and combine with sodium and are then excreted in the urine. All this to say that if someone is going to compensate, it's much faster to compensate from a respiratory standpoint because we can control how fast someone blows off acid or keeps it inside versus the kidneys of holding on to or holding on to that bicarbonate, increasing those levels or getting rid of it. So there's a few different ways by which to go about this. There's this method called the tic-tac-toe method, where you basically draw a tic-tac-toe and across the top, in the middle, you've got N for normal, and then you've got to the left, A for acid, and to the right of the N, you've got B for basic. So that's one way by which some people go about it. They create this tic-tac-toe grid, and in the three columns, they put acid, normal, or basic. 
and or alkalotic, depending on if you want to stay scientific termed. So if you've got your tic-tac-toe drawn out and you've got acid, normal and basic written across the top, the first thing that we have to determine is whether or not the pH is acid, acidotic, alkalotic or normal. And that's very easy to do because if it's below 7.35, you write pH into the column of acidosis. If it's above 7.45, you would write the pH into the basic or the alkalosis column. If it's somewhere in the middle, you just put pH directly into the center of your tic-tac-toe that you've created. And now we've determined if it's acidotic or alkalotic. Now, the next step, the second goal, right, is to determine if it is a metabolic or respiratory driven issue. And the way that we do that is we do, after we've placed the pH, we look at the CO2 and the bicarb, and we will place those based off of whether or not it is an acid value or basic value or a normal value. So what this means, for, for example, CO2 we know is an acid, and we know that the normal level of CO2 that we would see in an ABG is going to be between 35 and 45. If you have 58 of, of CO2, that's a lot of acid. So CO2 goes into the acid column versus if it's 20, that's not a whole lot of CO2 in the person's body. So that is going to go into the alkalotic column. And if it's in between 35 and 45, it goes directly into the middle. The same with the bicarb. And we know that the HCO3, the bicarbonate, normal range is 22 to 26. And we know it's a basic molecule. So if your bicarbonate is 32, right, that's a lot of base. That goes into the alkalotic column versus if it's 18. That's not a whole lot of base. So that would go into the acidosis column. From here, you will have your pH, your CO2, and your bicarbonate drawn out. If this is confusing for you, I strongly recommend get a pen, get a piece of paper, draw out a tic-tac-toe column, and across the top put acids, normal, and base or alkalosis. And then start to look at some of the equations that you've seen and pull the pH, the CO3, and the CO2 and place them in these different columns. Because once you have all three of those plotted, it directs you into the compensation effect. So whether or not someone is fully compensated, partially compensated, or completely uncompensated. And what happens is when someone is fully compensated, their pH value is normal, but their CO2 and their bicarbonate are abnormal and will be in different columns because they're both equalizing each other out and compensating to make the pH normal. When it's partially compensated, your pH is going to be still acidotic or alkalotic, but what you will see is the CO2 and the bicarbonate are both abnormal because they are trying to compensate. And so because they have both shifted, we now have a partial compensation occurring versus when someone is completely uncompensated, your pH is going to be abnormal and then you will have one element that is still abnormal. So let's say your pH is 7.48. Well, that makes it alkalotic or more basic than acidic. And your bicarbonate, right? Normal range is 22 to 26. If your bicarbonate, say, is 30, right? That's abnormal. 
but that's a lot of bicarb. So those two go in the alkalosis or the basic column. And let's say your CO2, which normal range is 35 to 45, is 38. That's normal. And that goes right in the middle. What that tells us is that this person is metabolically alkalotic because both the pH and the bicarbonate are in the alkalosis or basic column, and the CO2 is doing jack to help compensate for it. Now, if that person had the pH in the alkalosis and the bicarbonate in the alkalosis column, and that CO2, right, was acidotic, so we have, you know, we're holding onto it. We're holding onto that CO2 to try to compensate for the, the basic bicarb that's occurring. We can see that it is trying to compensate, even though the pH is still abnormal. If the pH is normal and your two elements are abnormal, that means that they're fully compensated. And that's how you determine compensation if you're doing the tic-tac-toe method. Now, if you need an example, right, I'm going to go get your, pause this and go get a pen and paper because I'm going to give you two pH ABG numbers and I want you to figure out if it is metabolic or respiratory acidosis, alkalosis, and what the compensation level is. So pause it, go get your pen and paper and come back because I'm going to keep going. So let's say you have a patient that you're taking care of and you do an ABG and you get these results back. Draw your grid and your pH is 7.26. So pH is 7.26. Your CO2 is 32 and your bicarbonate is 18. Welcome to Fuller Butts, a behind-the-scenes plastic surgery podcast. Yes, you heard that right. Join your co-hosts, Dr. Sam Fuller and Dr. Dan Butts, board-certified plastic and reconstructive surgeons on an exclusive full-access pass into the world of plastic surgery. Combining their expertise and training, Doctors Fuller and Butts will share medical insights, detailed explanations, and lighthearted humor to keep you entertained and informed. We're certain you'll become passionate about the plastic surgery specialty and between debunking myths, uncovering truths, or just making you laugh out loud at their perspective on this creative and artistic field. We've got something for everyone. pH 7.26, CO2 is 32, and your bicarbonate is 18. Sit there and figure out if this person is in a metabolic or respiratory acidosis alkalosis and what degree of compensation is occurring. Because if you look at this and you've drawn out your tic-tac-toe grid and across the top bar you have put acidosis, normal, alkalosis or basic, whatever terminology you decide to use, that pH is abnormal. And because that pH is abnormal at 7.26, that is incredibly acidotic. So that pH should be in the acidosis column. Now your CO2 at 32 is abnormal, but is it acidotic or alkalotic? And we know that CO2 is a component of acid that we are measuring, but it's not enough because a normal CO2 level is 35 to 45. So we know that this is actually should goes into the alkalotic or basic column, and that's where you put it, which is left with the CO3, the HCO3, the bicarbonate, which is 18. Is that abnormal or normal? If we know that the normal range of bicarbonate is 22 to 26, that's abnormal. And it goes under the acidosis column because that's, we don't have enough of it. So if we don't have enough of it, it's an acidotic value. 
with all of this, the pH is under acidosis. Therefore, we know that the patient with these lab values of a pH of 7.26, a CO2 level of 32, and a bicarbonate of 18, we know that they are acidotic. And we know that the bicarbonate is also an, an acidotic column. So we know we've got a metabolic acidosis occurring. And now that that CO2, what is it doing? Is it actually trying to compensate? Yes, it is because we put the CO2 into the alkalotic column. So this is a metabolic acidosis that is partially compensated. If that pH could get to a normal value, then we would have a fully compensated person here. Here's one more, one more practice values that you can run through. Okay, if you're doing the tic-tac-toe method, make your tic-tac-toe box, put it across the top, acidosis, normal, and alkalosis or basic, whatever your term is you decide to use. Here are your values, pH 7.1, CO2 of 40, and a bicarbonate or HCO3 of 18. You have to remember your normal values. Pause it, you've got those three values, plot it and determine is this metabolic or respiratory acidosis or alkalosis, and is it fully, partially, or totally uncompensated. pH 7.1, CO2 of 40, and an HCO3 or bicarbonate of 18. Because here we go. The pH is 7.1. That's, that's incredibly abnormal and incredibly acidotic because we know that a normal pH value is 7.35 to 7.45. So the pH automatically goes in the acidosis column. Now, the CO2, when we look at that, the CO2 is 40. Is that normal or abnormal? And that is a normal value for CO2 because we know a normal value of CO2 is 35 to 45. So that goes right in the middle in the normal column. Now the bicarbonate is 18. Is that normal or abnormal? If we know that the normal range of bicarbonate is 22 to 26, we know that's very abnormal. And it's not a whole lot of bicarbonate in the system, so therefore it goes in the acidosis column. So because of that... The pH of 7.1, we have acidosis, right? We know that it's metabolically driven because the bicarbonate is also in the acidosis column and we aren't compensating at all because that rest, the CO2 is in the normal column. So this is a completely uncompensated individual in metabolic acidosis. That is how you would use the tic-tac-toe method in order to help you to determine whether or not someone has respiratory or metabolic acidosis or alkalosis, and whether or not it is fully compensated, partially compensated, or completely uncompensated. The other element to keep aware is that your pH is going to drive what your patient is going to look like. Literally, if your pH, you write the word pH out, if it is below 7.35, we use a down arrow. And because we use a down arrow, that is how your patient is going to look down. They're going to be lethargic. They're going to have confusion. They're going to have decreased blood pressure. They might have seizures, right? They could end up in a coma. They are going to be down versus when your pH is elevated and you're alkalotic, right? That's how your patient's going to look. They're going to be super irritable. They're going to be very tachycardic. They might have dysrhythmias. So your pH should drive what your patient looks like. And there's many different types of risk factors for either respiratory or metabolic problems. For example, respiratory drive, right? Respiratory acidosis occurs very quickly and it can be the result of hypoventilation. So let's say someone's not breathing on their own and it's our responsibility as healthcare providers to be providing them adequate ventilation. 
if we are hypoventilating them, they are not going to get rid of their CO2 and it is going to build up and they will become acidotic from a respiratory standpoint. You'll see this in things like hypothyroidism, if someone gets myxedema coma, right? <laughs> also in chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, COPD, in chronic respiratory acidosis and COPD, the body will try to compensate by retaining more bicarbonate to overcome that acidosis versus in like a respiratory alkalosis. So if someone is spitting off all their CO2 and breathing it off really quickly, hyperventilation is the exact opposite. So when someone has panic attacks, if they get um, hyperthermic, people who have metabolic acidosis and where you will see sort of the respiratory system try to compensate in DKA, right? In DKA, the person becomes metabolically acidotic and you will see those small respirations where these patients are doing deep, rapid respiratory breaths, trying to blow off the CO2 in a compensatory effort to reduce the acids that are being created in the diabetic ketoacidotic stage. Reasons why someone might have metabolic acidosis, again, DKA is a big one. It's in the name, diabetic ketoacidosis. It's in the name. People with chronic hypoxia, if someone has terrible diarrhea or dehydration, these will cause a metabolic acidosis because, right, they're losing bicarbonate stores through their diarrhea, for example, or there's electrolyte disturbances and dehydration that causes vomiting and severe dehydration, which can lead to a metabolic acidosis in comparison to a metabolic alkalosis, right, where you have no acid, not enough acids. So that is the big risk factors for that are going to be things like vomiting. Vomiting causes metabolic alkalosis because of the loss of gastric secretions, which are really rich in hydrochloric acid. So you're puking out your acid or you've got like hypokalemia. So I will say that the pH value drives what your patient will look like with the exception of potassium. That doesn't follow suit. But that is basically ABGs in a nutshell that I've got. Hopefully that made sense. I learned originally how to do ABG calculations just by pure memory and figuring out the equation. Now they've got these neat tricks like the tic-tac-toe method. Hopefully it works. If it didn't, apologies. Listen to this a few times. Write down those lab values. Place them. Plot them. See if it makes sense. And other than that, go forth and keep on learning. Just one more quick follow-up. If you enjoy hearing what you've heard on the Nitty Gritty podcast, make sure you like it in whatever platform you're listening to. If you have an idea or like a specific subject matter maybe covered, let me know in my email that's listed in the podcast uh, description. Happy to at least look at it and address it and respond if nothing else. Otherwise, have a great day.